Hello everyone, welcome to the Laura Horn Art Podcast. Thank you so much for being here and thank you for everyone that tuned in to last week's episode on finding your style when you love too many things. We've had so many messages and Instagram stories about that episode and we even hit number one on the US Visual Arts Podcast chart for the first time, which is amazing and Richie and I are so appreciative of all your support. Which brings me to our review of the week, which comes from Zilpix via Apple Podcasts USA. Brilliant podcast. Oh, I just noticed. Brilliant. (laughs) Anyone who listened last week will know that I went a bit overboard with the word brilliant. So the review is, this podcast is really a must as it is so full of real world tips and motivation for any level artist. Laura and Richie are both thoughtful and funny. It is the fastest hour of the week. So excited to see what comes next. Well done. Well, thank you for that review. And speaking of what comes next, this week I am chatting with abstract artist Leslie Granger. So to give you a bit of background, Leslie was born in Yorkshire, England. She has a lovely accent and now resides in Orange County, California. Early in her career, she worked as a graphic designer and illustrator, but in recent years, her main focus and passion has been abstract painting. In our conversation, Leslie chats about how her abstract style has evolved and why it is important to her to paint freely and make the art that she truly wants to make. We also talk about what it was like to create her first online course, Language of Abstract, And Leslie is kindly offering podcast listeners 15% off the class using the coupon code 57542. So for all the details on that, make sure you check out the show notes, which you'll find at laurahornart.com forward slash the podcast forward slash 109. So with that said, let's get into the episode. Thank you so much for joining me. I've uh, followed your work for a very long time. In fact, you were one of the artists that I was first inspired by when I became interested in abstract painting and I would follow you along on Instagram. This is years ago now, probably uh, seven, eight years ago. Oh, yeah, that's at the beginning. Yeah, like when you probably when you were first getting started on Instagram and I was interested in getting into abstract art and I always found your work so free like I just couldn't believe it and I was quite fascinated by it so I wanted to share that with you and it definitely inspired me in my early days of painting to loosen up and I can't wait to chat to you more about that. That is wonderful. Um, What I thought we could do is go back a little bit. I think it's always interesting to hear about an artist's journey. So can you tell us a bit about your background? Yeah, so how far back do you want me to go? (laughs) (laughs) I know, it's always a tricky tricky question. I I know from having a look at your bio that you actually got started with illustration and design. And I'm curious how you went from that to abstract painting. So maybe we start somewhere around there. Well, I'm originally from England, Yorkshire. And um, I started off as a self-trained um, graphic designer when it was all desktop publishing had just come out and they'd gone from, you know, doing everything by hand to doing everything on the on the Apple computer. So I taught myself Photoshop and Illustrator and all those fun applications way back when. 
And um, I was doing graphic design for a couple of years working for a company. I think actually about three years I, I did graphic design. And my boss was kind of mean. <laughs> and the day I left, he actually threw a chair at me. <laughs> he threw a chair at you? Yeah, because he just used to get real mad about like small things. And I was like the main, like, I was like the main graphic designer. And so he would just sort of like, it was a typo on one of the things that could have been easily fixed, but um, he got really upset and threw a chair. <laughs> so um, I decided that I was done with graphic design and I enrolled into, in England, you have the foundation course, which you do um, before you do your degree. We don't have all that prerequisite general education stuff in England. We just have, you know, when you do your degree, you go straight into it. Um, but with art and design, you have to do and fine art, you have to do what you call a foundation course, which basically, um, and you also before that, you have to do your A-level. So I did an A-level in art and then I did my foundation course, which was a year. But basically, in your A-level, you're taught how to do like painting properly, you know, like you do still lives a lot, you do life drawing a lot, you do, you learn the technical side of painting. And then when you get into the foundation course, that's a prerequisite to go to college, to go to art school. And so I did my foundation course and I absolutely loved it because what they do is they take everything that you learned from your A-levels and they flip it on its head and turn it upside down and inside out. And they really teach you about experimentation and they teach you about how far you can go with with your artwork and how you can experiment with it and things like that. So I really enjoyed that because it, it opened up a whole level, you know, about art. And so after that, I did my degree. I got into a, a, an art university and I did my degree in um, illustration. I loved doing illustration. I was very inspired by um, Chagall with my illustration, my illustration work. So I had a lot of stuff that was very dreamlike. And it was very color orientated. Once I graduated in my late twenties, I started college late, and I had children right after that. And so I took a mommy break and raised two children. And I didn't actually—I don't think I painted for probably ten years after that. And I just kind of forgot about my paintbrushes and my pencils and all that stuff. And I um, was a stay-at-home mom for a few years. And then my youngest son started kindergarten. That's when I started to pick up a paintbrush again. And I decided that I was going to go into art licensing. And so I started painting like crazy. I started designing like crazy. Um, I also picked up some illustration work. Um, I illustrated for Target and some other companies that licensed my work. So it was really successful. And I was really happy. And at this time, we were living in America. We'd moved to America by now. So I was very lucky to get these um, licensing deals. And I did that for a long time. In fact, I still do some of the work for these companies. I have some books, children's books that I've done. Um, I've done fabrics. I've done children's wall art that was in Target. I've done greeting cards, a whole bunch of stuff. I didn't realise that you um, had a background in illustration and worked in a different style to the abstract art that I see on Instagram. Yeah. Do you keep them 
quite separate or do you have another Instagram account or something like that? I actually um, do not have anything like Instagram or social media for my illustration. I used to when I when I had my website. I first did my website in um, 2011 with my illustration website. Basically what I did, I started to get tired of working on the computer. I would go and paint abstracts just to get away from the illustration and everything. And slowly it started to tip the other way. I was doing less and less illustration and started to do more and more abstracts. And my passion started to change. I wasn't as passionate about the illustration. I was more passionate about the painting. One of my licensing companies that licensed my children's artwork was interested in licensing some abstract paintings and they were really successful and I decided well what about if I try and sell some original paintings so in 2014 is when I launched my online shop and that's actually when I started on Instagram and so by that time I was painting abstracts full-time and I was doing like 90% painting and no I would say it was 80-20 at that time so 20% illustration, 80% painting. And then it just got more and more on the painting side. And now when I get an illustration job to do, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I just want to do the painting. So that's how it happened. I just, I did the painting for myself originally. And I've always done a little bit of abstract painting when I was at college, but I didn't realize it was like a deep passion for me until. I got to that point in my life. And so I've been full-time painting now for, I would say, about eight years. How did your abstract style develop? Like what inspired you with your abstract paintings when you first started? And has it changed at all over the last eight years? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely changed. <laughs> like I was talking to another artist recently about how it's kind of embarrassing, like the old stuff that you do. He's <laughs> like oh I did that but you know some people do still like it I had a funny situation um just last week I posted a painting that in the very beginning that I did years ago I think it said 2013 and I posted on Instagram I'm gonna offer this for sale and if nobody buys it I'm gonna paint over it <laughs> and then somebody bought it so I was like, oh, that was wonderful the way that went to a happy home. It made me very happy. So, but yeah, my style originally was inspired by Klee and Chigal. So I was very inspired by a lot of squares and shapes, like, you know, Klee and Chigal. Uh, mostly Klee does that. Um, I was really inspired by his squares and shapes. And he actually has a gift of, um, I can't remember what they call it, but he feels the color. Like the color is like a sensation for him. It's like very. Oh, I know what you mean. Someone was telling me about this recently and um, saying that they had this as well. I know what you're talking about, but I don't know what the name is. <laughs> I'll have to look that up. Yeah, it's a very, um, it begins with an F, like synchronicity yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Um, but I, I really resonated with, Chagall's with the illustration, but Klee, and this was during art school, art college, I resonated with 
squeeze squares and I would spend hours and hours and hours just painting squares, just, just different colors. And even now those, those paintings are really nice. And so I, I just practiced and then eventually I started doing abstracts sort of bigger, but the squares got bigger. And so eventually it was just like a lot of squares and a lot of shapes and I really enjoyed that. But to be honest with you, the main thing has always been um, color and finding freedom in my work, like really expressing myself in my work. It's a very unconscious, subconscious, intuitive style. So that's how I that's how I like to paint, and I'm always pushing it, like pushing it more and more. Like some people might might like my older work because my newer work is very experimental but sometimes I feel like people just need to catch up you know like in the the world of people that have like not like designers but people with just you know a nice home or whatever they want to have a nice decoration in their home sometimes it just takes a couple of years to catch up because I always feel like artists are ahead of ahead of the industry you know I mean like ahead of the pottery barns and the um, the places where you would buy prints and things like that. And eventually they catch up. <laughs> I've never thought about it like that, but it's it's so true. You actually do see things coming through those kind of places, those stores, long after you've seen it through the artists that you might follow on Instagram and, you know, that we see. It's We definitely do come up with new ideas that then take quite a few years to flow into the more mainstream yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking of. Mainstream. It's <laughs> a good word. <laughs> and that's one of that's one of the reasons I moved away from um, doing the illustration because my work was so mainstream. It was mass produced canvas paintings, which were really nice and well made and everything. But I didn't like the whole mass produced idea. And you know, it's the corporations and the companies that are producing the work that make the most money the artist gets pennies on on the dollar yeah for those um for the licensing work although it was good for me at the time I really love and appreciate the originality of you know selling an original work I was having a look on your Instagram and I noticed on one of your posts and I think it might have been the one from a long time ago and it had a phrase on the wall and it said feel the art and I loved, oh, yeah. I loved that and it, it, it made me think of your process um, because I've been fortunate enough to watch your new online course and that phrase captured it so beautifully because you can see as you're working how much you just feel. It's so intuitive. You enjoy it so much. You can see that and I, and I just thought it was a brilliant way of describing how you work. Yeah, I like that. I know which post you're thinking of because I actually posted that because of those little words that were on the wall. I remember writing it on the wall and since it's been painted over again and again, but um, I often write little notes for myself and things that I'm thinking as I'm painting. Definitely an emotion I have when I'm painting, like a lot of artists. I like to think of it as if you do yoga and you get you get in a flow with your breath and your body, it kind of everything just takes over. It's when you have that breath connected to your body flowing that you actually get the most benefits out of out of your yoga session. Mm. 
and uh, I think of painting like that, but it it takes practice, just like yoga. I mean, I'm I'm terrible at because I just started um, a little while just before the pandemic, and then I had to stop. But um, I really enjoy it. It centers me and everything, and in the same way that painting does. And you have to you have to clear your mind before you paint because let's say for example, and we've all done this. I'm looking through Instagram and I see something that really I like and I'm like, wow, that's amazing and so good. And if you're painting, you know, and you're thinking of that person's artwork, it's going to influence what you're doing. It's going to influence you either subconsciously or you're going to doubt yourself with what you're doing because you're sort of like in your mind, you might be comparing what you're doing. So you've got to, I like to try and clear my mind before I start painting and one of the ways I do that is I do um I do a lot of sketching and they could be just doodles and I also do a lot of work in my sketchbook I call them warm-ups where I just do like brush strokes and color and you know and then I'll I'll go on to the painting it's interesting that you talk about you talk about how we need to kind of clear our clear our head because we have all these things coming at us and that's so true especially especially in the world that we live in today where you can be on your phone and scrolling and seeing all sorts of things and getting these messages in your brain and comparison comes up. And I think sometimes we underestimate the importance of disconnecting from that and looking inwards. I love that video of you because I saw it on your website where you're walking and it's like an inspiration thing for a class that you do um I really love that that you're looking in the sky I always look up because I think we forget to look up and I see that you're walking around these lovely trees and I love trees and you're looking up and that was really inspiring watching that yeah well I love to um take a bit of a walk around either in my neighborhood or even just in my home I quite often look around things around me to give me ideas that relate to my own personal experience when I make art. And I also enjoy warm-ups a lot. Um, I do a lot of just splashing and scribbling and doodling before I start. So have a kind of similar way of getting into my painting. Um, I, think it's, I think it's a really valuable part of the process. I wanted to ask you, what kind of um, sketchbook do you use when you do your sketchbook work? You know, I I don't actually have a particular one that I use. I just um I just buy them. Like if I see them, I just buy them. I have so many sketchbooks and none of them are finished. I'm just I, I'm like I do it really willy nilly. I just like grab it and start scribbling off, and then I'll find things hidden away, and I'm like, oh gosh, that was really nice. I should have kept going on that. <laughs> so I'm I'm a little bit disorganized. Yeah. I hear that a lot. Paintings everywhere, yeah. I think that just about every art studio is full of sketchbooks that have never been finished and canvases and bits and pieces. But I think it's beautiful uh, that we have this kind of flow from one thing to another and we bounce around a bit and that's all part of the creative process too, I guess. Absolutely, yeah, because sometimes I'll just, I'll just be cleaning up and I'll find like a scrap of something and I'll be like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> and I'll be like, oh, I'll need to put that on something. Because <laughs> I do a collage as well. 
Do you do collage um, in your sketchbooks or actually on your paintings as well? I do. I do both. In fact, my next class is going to be um, how to create a series of works on paper. And I think I'm going to include collage. I'm not sure if I should or not because it might be a bit overwhelming doing both. But I was thinking about including that. Sounds fabulous to me. Collage is such a oh, it's such a therapeutic part of making art. And I think it's quite gentle as well. It sort of gets your hands busy and it can be a way of kind of getting out of your head. So I think it sounds like a fabulous idea. But I'm, I love mixed media art. So I think it's it's fun combining things like papers with paint and seeing what happens. Uh, speaking mm-hmm. of online classes, let's have a chat about your new class that's come out. I think it's your first class, uh, The Language yeah. of Abstract. And um, yeah. I heard you say that you have been asked to create a class for a very long time. And I mm-hmm. thought it was funny because I actually remember leaving a comment or it might have been a DM. This was probably about five or six years ago. Um, to you, you won't, you won't remember it, but I do. <laughs> and um, I actually asked, I said, would you be, you know, would you create an online course? It would be fantastic. I'd be interested. And at the time, yeah. I think he said, oh, you know, it's something I'm thinking about. And here we are five or six years later and you have your first online class. So I think that's wonderful. Congratulations. Thank you. I was going to say better late than never, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So what made you decide to create an online class now after all these years? Yeah, I think it was a really good time to do the class because I was asked to do a class at my local church, actually. It's a big church. It's not like a little tiny one. I wanted to get the ladies together and just have this kind of like, I belong to an art ministry at the church and I was one of the one of the kind of like founding people of this art ministry that was a really good outreach for all kinds of things on hold now because of the pandemic. But I decided that I was going to teach a class and we only had enough room for 20, 20 people and it was 19 women and one man. <laughs> that was nice, but... I was very, very nervous. I didn't think that I, I didn't have the confidence at the time. I remember I planned it like to the T, like everything that I was going to say, I planned everything. I planned out the lessons. I was really nervous about it, but it was hugely successful. All the women that took the class were like, please, please, please do another one. Please do another one. And I was like, yeah, I'll do another one. I'll do another one. And it was really exhausting because it was every week for, I think, six weeks for three hours that I was teaching. And so now I really appreciate people that actually teach, you know, how exhausting it is. And it took me another, I think, another two or three years later, I did my second one. (laughs) So it wasn't very soon after, but the same people and a few more signed up for the same class. And the second class that I taught was the language of abstract. So I've actually taught the class in person before. It was slightly different, but because that was a longer class. So it was a very condensed version of it. And the class was all about how abstract is actually really a language and that we build up our own um, language through experimentation, through practice, through our tools, 
through the marks that we make. And that's kind of like the basis of the language of abstract. And then my husband is a producer director for a local university here. And he's been doing that job for 20 years. He knows how to film, edit, light, everything. And I've never actually utilized his skills. And then when the pandemic hit, I started doing some free, me and, an, me and two of the friends, Pamela Bates and Wendy McWilliams that are on Instagram, my friends, we got together and we started doing um, paint parties um, every Friday. I think it was every two weeks. And it, they were so fun and so successful um, that I decided to do like a Zoom lesson. And then I did like two Zoom lessons and those were really successful. But I didn't like, I thought they were kind of a little bit, I like, I wanted it to be more professional. There was more, there wasn't as many people that could sign up. Um, it was limited on space and you had to be there at a certain time to do it. And so I thought, well, why not record a class? and do the same thing and then I, I can offer it to more people so it was it was like a, a step-by-step process that evolved into the class that I eventually got around to doing <laughs> and so many people have asked me to do this class over the years like you Laura and I finally I finally did it and I was really proud of it and so my my thought on it is that I just want to plant seeds spread inspiration you know, I, I plant seeds of inspiration and I hope that from my class that somebody will take that seed of inspiration and they'll evolve their painting or, you know, they'll, they'll go on to inspire other people or be inspired. So that that's kind of the thought process behind my class. I hope I answered your question. <laughs> oh, you did. You did. I have lots of thoughts going through my head, actually, around all the things that you said. Yeah. Um, but I just wanted oh, to okay. comment on, you know, when I watched the class, it made me very excited to paint. And I think that's ah. something brilliant about the way that you teach because I was watching it and going, you know what, I really just want to be doing that. I don't want to be sitting here watching it. I want to be doing it. And I think that's what you really want, don't you, when people take classes is for them to take it as inspiration and then go and do it and explore and experiment. And um, and that's yeah. exactly how I felt when I watched it. Oh, that's great. And you're lovely on camera. You know, after watching it, I was like, oh, I feel like I know you now. <laughs> and I could. Oh, that's good. You know, I could sit yeah. down and, and have a cup of tea and a chat with you, which to me, I think it's beautiful when you have that sort of personal touch with a course where you get to know the person. So do you think that doing the course in person a couple of times and your experiences on Zoom were helpful when it came to putting together a more professional offering? Absolutely yeah because when I did the classes at the church I got a lot of comments a lot of feedback from the ladies there and they were just like you're such a good teacher oh my gosh you're amazing and I'm like really I you know it was very good for my self-esteem and to build me up to be able to do the teaching because I never knew that I could do that I always thought yeah I can paint but I don't know if I can teach painting and so that's a whole different thing and so they they inspired me and doing the class and do the doing the live classes inspired me and then also interacting on the zoom classes was really nice because I realized that that connection was really important to meet people 
and talk to them and get to know them. And I'm still like friends with a lot of the people that took my Zoom class. We like DM each other on Instagram and things like that. And a few of the people that did my Zoom classes have also taken the live, uh, the recorded class. So it, it was it was definitely um, baby steps leading to this. And what was the process like for filming the class? Well, <laughs> it was kind of funny in the beginning because my husband is used to people that don't know what they're doing on camera. I wouldn't say that I'm great on camera or anything like that. I've been told that I did a good job on camera, but I'm nervous like anybody else. As long as I can be myself, I'm fine. And in the beginning, my husband set everything up and we recorded a class and he's like, you've got to say this and you've got to do this and do this and do this. Well, the more he told me what to do, the more uptight <laughs> I got. And I kept, <laughs> I'm sure you're familiar with that, Laura. And, um, you know, because your husband does that same thing, right? He, he videos your classes. Yeah, he's behind the camera. So I just, every now and then he tries to kind of like help me and it never goes well. <laughs> yeah, because you've got it in your head what you want to do. Yeah, yeah. In the end, I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do it. I can't do it. <laughs> and then so we're like, okay, let's leave it. So I painted one painting it's actually in my shop for another class that we did. And I'm like, I don't, I don't enjoy that. I didn't enjoy it. It was really like robotic. But from filming that, my husband realized once I got going for the first one that I filmed that we did together, um, that was never released, he said, oh, you're really a natural. <laughs> I was like, thank you. That's what I was trying to tell you in the beginning. <laughs> so eventually he, um, he realized that he doesn't need to tell me how to do anything, that I can just be myself on the camera. And that's the best way to do it. I've heard from lots of people, just be yourself and talk to the camera like you're talking to somebody yeah but it was helpful to have my husband there you know behind the camera because I would like talk to him and make jokes with him and things like that that was really helpful I don't like just staring at a phone and recording myself that feels really uncomfortable that's interesting that you say that because some people have said to me is it a bit weird doing it with your husband but I had the same I've had the same <laughs> experience as you as a, I really like it I feel like it's yeah easier to do it with him there and it feels like I'm actually talking to someone and we also laugh and joke and believe in kind of leaving some of that in the course as well because it just feels more real and natural yeah and it's so much easier that way like you said once you start just being yourself it flows I find when I'm creating classes that when I'm just talking and I don't have anything in my hands that I find it more difficult but once I have the paintbrush in my hand and I'm talking, it's much easier. Yeah, definitely. And then I also, I, I try not to watch myself because um, I'll, be, I'll be critical of myself. Oh, my hair's a mess up. <laughs> and what was funny was before, <laughs> before I did that video, I'm trying, I'm, I apologize for my hair on that video, okay? <laughs> because I had a hair appointment two days before I was going to shoot that video and then something happened and I couldn't go to my hair appointment and she didn't have another appointment until after the show. My hair is a mess on the video, but you know what? I actually don't care. (laughs) I can live with it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm the same way. I try and watch my videos as little as I 
possibly can. So I watch them back to give yeah. Richie a few edits or something like that. And then that's it. Once they're out in the world, I never watch them again uh, because it's just, yeah. you can be so critical of yourself, can't you? And you see things that other people wouldn't oh, even yeah. notice. Um, but that's yeah. just being on, being on camera can be a bit of a. Yeah. I've always been like that. Like if somebody takes a picture of me, I'm like, Oh, Oh. And then I'm like, what about this? What about this? And, and then, Five years later, I'll look at that same picture and I'll think, what was I complaining about? You know, it's like in the moment. And then five or ten years down the, down the road, you're like, oh, I actually look good in that picture. <laughs> I sometimes think that too when I'm looking at photos and complaining and grumbling and then I'm realising that ten years' time I'll be, I'd be so grateful to look the way that I do now. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah exactly. I think that's just human nature, isn't it? Yeah, and it's all about the same thing, living in the moment and appreciating what you have at the time instead of like, oh, look at my hair in that picture. <laughs> it's encouraging to hear about um, the way that you have filmed classes and they haven't been released and it took a couple of goes because often when you watch yeah. a class, you don't realise that all that goes on and you yeah. just assume that what comes out is how it happened but the reality is quite different and I know that Richie and I have a folder in our drive and it's called failed courses <laughs> and it's just all the video <laughs> and all this, the courses that we never released and uh, I relate to what you said about you know it just not feeling right because I've had days like that too where I haven't released something just because it just didn't feel like I was in the moment at the time yeah and you used the yeah. word robotic and I felt like that too so it's interesting to hear that side of it and encouraging as well for anyone who's thinking about you know perhaps releasing an online course or even just doing some videos over on Instagram or IGTV yeah um, we all have to mess and muddle through there's no other ways there exactly and it's fun to watch um process videos because people get to see your process and it's also fun to watch yourself how you paint because you actually don't know till you see it on camera, you know, how you hold the brush, how you do the brush strokes because you're mostly just kind of like thinking at the time. And so I think that's interesting to watch the process. There's a big thing right now where people are listening to these videos where they listen to like, my son told me about it, where they record people painting and the brush strokes and the movements and I think they call it EMSR and my son's like, mom, you should do an EMSR video. It would be, it would go viral. Oh, wow. <laughs> Not that I'm bothered about that, but it's like people like listening to the sound of the brushstroke, the sound of the water, the sound of the scribbling and things like that. So, yeah, it sounds a bit like slow TV. I only just heard about that the other day where people enjoy watching things like knitting and very slow meditative kind of creative activities in these videos where yeah. often there's no there's no talking or anything like that it's just the process very slowly um, yeah. happening and Richie my husband he watches a lot of restoration videos on YouTube and often they don't have any talking mm, either yeah. but they're just um, bringing old things back to life and polishing them and when he's watching them I always sort of laugh or you, you've got your meditation going on there because so he just he finds them really relaxing <laughs> to watch before he goes to bed like woodwork and metalwork yeah, and my, things like that my husband does that he watches all these videos he wants to build me a studio 
because our house is really small and uh, my studio is small. We want to move. We're thinking about Texas, currently in California, but we're thinking about um, Austin, Texas, and we want to build a big studio there so that I can do retreats, painting retreats. And he's always watching videos on YouTube about how to build an outside shed or a studio or whatever. I mean, he watches them almost every night. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be expert. He sounds so much like Richie. But anyway, I wouldn't worry about that. Yeah. I'd be queuing them up for him, <laughs> put put them into his yeah. playlist because that sounds yeah. like a, a wonderful idea. Um, so you you just mentioned that you have a small studio. Can you talk a little bit about where you where you work and make art? Yeah, I mean, I used to be embarrassed by it, but now I'm like, why am I embarrassed by that? I actually work in the garage. How do you say garage in Australia? Oh, we say it the same way, garage, I think. Yeah. Garage, yeah. Over in America, they say um, the garage. Garage, yeah. <laughs> the garage. Sounds more uh, like French to me, that. Yeah, um, a bit more fancy but than us. <laughs> yeah, we have a double, but we converted it into my studio. So if you walk in, it doesn't look like a garage. It looks like an art studio. If people come to my house, they're like, whoa, who does all this work? <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's but it's, it's pretty crowded I'd like to do a lot of more bigger paintings I do have a lot of inventory that's kind of like taking up a lot of room but when I'm in there I mean all I need is my easel and my paint you know you don't need a lot of space to paint that's the un- that I'm fine with it but um, I would like to do more classes I'm thinking about like retreats where people come to my studio and they stay my husband likes to cook and he's gonna like you know, do like a dinner or a lunch for the people that come and I'll, I'll teach them how to paint. So that's kind of like our next goal. So that's what you're thinking about for the future, create, creating more space for teaching. Will you continue on with adding more online classes as well? Yeah, I've got, I've got one planned um, for November. So there'll be another class coming out in November. And you'll be working with your husband on that one as well? Oh, yeah, I've yeah. got him scheduled. <laughs> I have to schedule him because he's so busy. So for anyone who's listening who's interested in taking your online course, um, what's the best mm-hmm. way for them to find out about it and sign up? Yeah, um, so they would go to my website, lesliegranger.com. Leslie is spelt with an E-Y, not an I-E. <laughs> L-E-S-O-L-E-Y, Granger.com. And at the very top of the page, it just says Art Course. And there's a link that, that takes you to a link to sign up. Um, and all the information is on the homepage of the, the link. And it will tell you everything. There's kind of like a little preview and the list of supplies that you can use and some pictures of the of the um, painting that I do. Um, yeah, there's just one available right now. Yeah. And in the course, you go through essentially a large painting on canvas from start to finish. So it's you get a great insight yeah. into your process and, and all your supplies and things like that and the way that you work, yeah. which is super inspiring to watch. Um, mm-hmm. Speaking of supplies, it wouldn't be an arty chat without sort of digging in deep with what you like to use. So do you have yeah. favourite paints, pens, pencils? What are the things that you couldn't live without? I, I'm a paintbrush hoarder. <laughs> if I see a pack of paintbrushes, I'll buy them. 
because you can never have enough. I also don't throw away any paintbrushes. I keep them in a drawer, like, you know, because I love old raggedy paintbrushes that are all hard and colour all over them. Um, so I'll, I'm not picky about my paintbrushes. I do not like painting with sponges because I think they are really flimsy and they fall apart. But some artists really like using those. But I guess maybe I'm too rough with the brushes. I quite like sponges, but I do find like they soak up a lot of paint as well, which yeah, that's do. another thing that I find is that I mix up some paint and then I use a sponge or a foam brush or something like that and it feels like it's yeah. gone within a few seconds. So, um, yeah. Yeah. But everyone's different. It's, you know, that's half exactly, the, that's, yeah. that's the fun of it, isn't it? I would recommend if people that like using sponges, you can actually buy painting sponges. And you hold them with your hand and they, they're usually like odd circular shapes. Um, and they're really fun. You get a lot of nice texture with those. I would recommend those because these ones don't fall apart. They're like a little bit denser than the, you know, the, the crafty ones that yeah. you buy. I use those for gluing, <laughs> gluing things, My the, you know, the craft. The foam ones. brushes. Yeah. And then I use Liquitex Golden. There's a local company here in California, that, California that's called Nova Paints. And I buy the bulk of my paints from Nova because they're a family-owned business that's been around a long time. And they their colors are really rich. And they're as good a quality as I, I would say Liquitex. But I would say sometimes less than half the price. Mm. And you get great big tubs. So it's nice if you're not too far from California that, you can order them in Australia. Obviously, you have different paints. I know yeah. they have some good stuff in, in Australia. I also um, I use a lot of paper. Like I'll buy all different types of paper because then I'll paint on the paper and use that as collage. Um, but I also paint on canvas and I'll rip that up and use that as a collage. And I glue it on with um, like a I'm trying to remember, like a gel, you know, like a a paint gel. Like a gel medium. Gel medium, yes. yeah. So I'll, I'll glue it on with that. Um, and I only, uh, I use fixatives for pencil marks and pastels. I also use oil bars, oil pastels. I'll use everything, just throw it on the canvas. I mean, not just throw it on, but <laughs> I like to create different textures, different lines. Um, different marks and things like that. Then I also use, if it needs to have a varnish on it, I'll usually use the Liquitex varnish, maybe a satin or something like that. But that's basically all my all my tools that I use. And do you use a spray varnish or a brush-on varnish or both? Um, I use a brush-on varnish, but I would like to try a spray a spray varnish just to see what it's like. But I don't only I only um, use a varnish if um there's a lot of collage on the on the painting and it needs it needs the varnish so you don't always use varnish on your paintings no no no. I like the different textures and the different surfaces that it creates that when you put a varnish on it like flattens everything it it makes everything the one the the same sort of like sheen you know what I mean like if you use a yeah so I mean sometimes it can be effective to use that and it does really make you colors pop out and it also protects the painting but sometimes I feel like it covers up a lot of the the subtle the subtle textures and the subtle different types of shine 
that the painting has. That's interesting because I get so many questions about varnishing and finishing. Do you find that as well? Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> I just say, no, I don't varnish. <laughs> that keeps... But it's a bit more. <laughs> Generally, I don't varnish, but um, if it is a collage and it has a lot of like really thin papers that could easily tear or might need to be wiped or cleaned, then I'll I'll varnish it. But I really don't like to. It's good to know that there's all these different options out there and there isn't any right or wrong way to approach it. Another thing that I do is I leave my edges raw. I don't I don't paint the edges. Whatever splashes on there is what stays there. <laughs> so like especially the bottom it they have all these amazing drips underneath and I just leave it because I think I love the aesthetic of, of all the drips that are around the edges. I love those drips that you get and all that messiness on the sides of the canvases. It really suits your process because everything is so raw and organic and it ties in with the way that you paint to leave those edges raw in a way. What do you think? It just seems Yeah, I agree. Right. I agree because, yeah, I used to think I felt guilty covering up the edges. <laughs> like, what did I do to the painting? I ruined it. I painted the edges and I should have left it. Even if it looks kind of scuffy, you know, I'm looking at a painting right now in my bedroom and the edges are left raw, but there's a few like splashes of paint on it. And I'm so glad that I made that choice because I kind of struggled with it for a long time. Just like people struggle with their signature. I struggled with, I don't really want to paint the edges, but a lot of galleries, you know, and interior designers, they kind of expect you to. So I just have a rule that I don't paint the edges. If you want to go ahead and paint the edges, that's up to you, but don't tell me that you did it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's inspiring to hear you talk about that um, because, I, I mean, I paint my edges usually and there's quite a few things that I do yeah. differently. And to hear you on a, a podcast talk about your approach, it just opens up doors for people to do things differently. And I love that. I, I, I think it's a, such an important message and particularly to listen to what you want because you said I, I didn't feel good mm -hmm. about covering up those drips and I liked them and to listen to mm -hmm. that is the most important thing. Yeah, it's, it is about listening to yourself and not that's a really good point because I, t I think about this a lot. Like you've got to listen and in the beginning like you don't listen to yourself as much because you're you're just learning. So this is for like new people that are just learning. Um, but it's important that you do listen to yourself and you take a stance on, well, this is how I like it and this is what I want to do and this is my aesthetic, like your aesthetic is to paint the edges. And, you know, some edges look really lovely painted. I, I like it when some artists will do a little bit from the front of the painting and they'll just kind of brush it over the side. I think that looks nice too. So I do appreciate the painted edges, but for me, I just used to feel like I was hiding something. Do you know what I mean? I was hiding my mess or hiding something that I should leave. That's kind of the way I thought about it. And for a long time, I used to paint the edges. I'd spend hours just painting the edges would take me longer than the actual painting because I'd do like, three or four coats on the edges each side. So that's like, oh, 16. And you have to turn it and paint it and turn it. And it kind of irritated me having to do that. So um, I'm like, I'm just not going to do this anymore. <laughs> well, that's one of the reasons I um, I started wrapping 
my paint around the edges of the canvas like you just described while I was painting for the reason that I didn't want to paint the edges at the end because of how long it would take and and I was getting a bit grumpy and frustrated with the process and that's when I started wrapping my colour around as I work. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, and paying a little bit of attention to attention to the edges but not needing them to be like perfect. I do like it when it goes around goes around the edge. I think that looks nice. I just can't be bothered. (laughs) (laughs) And if you work um if you work on unstretched canvas, um that can be that can be great because then you can just wrap it around the edges without having to worry about it at the time. So that's always another option. So what is it that you're working on at the moment? Is there any new direction or something that you're inspired by in your current work? Right now, I'm going through a phase of kind of destroying the canvas and then bringing it back. So like making holes in it and putting and kind of doing what I want to do on it. I mean, I've even got a painting where I've actually taken an old brush and stuck it on the canvas. (laughs) I've done that because I love old brushes, but I'm still sort of figuring it out, like how I'm going to finish it. So I'm taking my time with this one. Then I also have a new series inspired by a show that I watch on TV. It's actually an English show that I found on Netflix. It's a series on potters. It's kind of like the Bake Off shows, but it's with pottery. And so all these potters come together. I haven't heard of that show. Oh, it's so good. I love it. Um, Do you know what it's called? Do you have a name you can share with I us? Wanna say, I want to say that it's The Potters or something. And I love it. I watched, I binge watched one series in like three nights just last week. When I get my studio, my big studio, Intex, I think, <laughs> I want to have a pottery section. I want to start making pottery. So this new series that I'm doing is inspired by pottery and just the shapes of pottery. I just literally started my first piece today, so it's not going to be out for a while. I'm kind of just inspired by that right now. So when you were watching it, did you know somewhere through it you would use that as inspiration for painting? Like were you sitting there watching it going, I've got an idea brewing here? No, I was thinking about actually painting pottery like abstract, making um, sculptures, not actual pots, but making sculptures with clay and then painting abstracts onto them. That's what I want to do when I do the pottery. But doing the paintings of the pottery, I just it came to me this morning when I was in my studio because I'm so obsessed with this pottery show that I thought, I need to just draw the shapes. <laughs> I very much love shapes and, and abstracted shapes, and so I thought they have some really nice um, details. So I thought I'd experiment with it. So how often do you get into your studio to paint? I would say every day. I'm very bad at getting my coffee, not having anything to eat, still in my pyjamas, putting on my apron and going in and painting for two hours. <laughs> and then and then going, oh, I need to get showered and dressed. My All my pyjamas are covered in paint. Um, and that's the convenience of having your studio at home. But um, I sh- then I'll, you know, paint again maybe later on that day. I haven't been in my studio as much lately because it's really hot at the moment. So I'd, I'll go in, in there in the mornings and I'll go in there in the late afternoon because I don't have an air conditioner in there. But usually I paint every day. Yeah, I have a garage studio as well. Um, 
And oh, you do? Yeah, 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 at home. I have two studios now. We have one away from the home as well. And that one is more of a cleaner space because I share it with Richie. And then the one at home is the more messy studio where I can do bigger paintings and um, it gets very hot in the summer too. Um, We actually had air conditioning brought into it last year um, because it was pretty unbearable during the heat of our summers and I was finding that I'd have to I'd have to do what you said, get up early or do it in the evenings, but pretty much during the day I couldn't use the space. So, um, so yeah, I relate to that as well um, with the heat and managing the weather when you're in a space like that. So, But it's wonderful that you get into your studio every day. Have you ever thought about having a studio outside of home or do you think that it works particularly well for you having it so that you can just go in there in your pajamas and get started straight away? <laughs> now everyone's <laughs> now everyone's got visions of you <laughs> painting in your pajamas. <laughs> yeah, no bra. Because <laughs> <laughs> I because I find the same thing actually. Like I would go in in the morning sometimes to check on my paintings, which is the phrase that I would use. You know, I'm with my coffee in hand, I'm just going in to check on my paintings. You know, because they change overnight. Yeah. <laughs> Uh and um so go in to have a look and then I wouldn't come out same thing no breakfast I'd be like I'll just do a little a little bit you know or I'd see something that would just kind of like oh I just need to change that and then a few hours later you come in with your paint on your face and (laughs) and say hello to everyone and think it's still morning but it's lunchtime yeah and then my son's like mom I'm hungry it's breakfast (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's so funny I know when I say that to my husband I'm just gonna go check I don't even say paintings I just say I'm just gonna go check something <laughs> and then he's like okay bye sometimes he'll say um don't you want to get showered first <laughs> so do you think you could have a studio away from the home or do you think it works best having one at home I think I'd love to have a studio away from home I, I think I would miss having it in my house but I think I would always have something where I can just maybe draw a little bit or maybe even keep it separate where I just like sit and think about ideas or read books, you know. I would always have a little portion in my house where I can do that. And then I would love to have a studio away because I'd really like to be able to invite people. I mean, I still invite people over and they see where I work and stuff like that, but it's not very professional having people come to your house in your garage. Um, (laughs) I mean they're fine with it but like you know if it's a interior designer and they're just and they're coming into your garage it's funny but um I would really love to have a separate a separate studio away from the house where we live at the the rent is extremely expensive it's southern California you know it's like prime real estate so it would be like another mortgage Yeah, Yeah, it's quite challenging. I mean, we've rented a space that's about 15 minutes from our house and um, we've had to choose kind of an area that we wouldn't necessarily live in, but it's cheaper so we can afford to have the studio here. But it's worked out well in the end, um, but we certainly didn't want to take on another mortgage for um, a studio space and it's there are those challenges as well and things to weigh up. 
We've enjoyed having a separation, like having a separate space to home. Yeah. But then sometimes I miss being at home all the time. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. always sort of thinking what works better. I think for me it's been good though to have that separation um, particularly so that I actually do when I'm at home feed my kids and things like that. <laughs> like what you said about, you know, being so swept up in painting and the kids are hungry and things like that. So, Mom, I don't have any clothes. <laughs> <laughs> so for me now when I'm at home I'm like more sort of like at home doing the mum thing um, which, work, oh, that's nice. which works. Um but anyway, yeah, there's always different different options to weigh up. And like you said, it really doesn't matter. You don't need a lot of space to paint, do you? No, you don't. Kitchen table. <laughs> How old are your kids, Laura? Uh, so I have a 12-year-old and an 8-year-old. Oh, yeah. that's so nice. Yeah. So. I'm a grown-up, <laughs> 18 and 24. <laughs> so quite, quite different to when you've got the little ones. Um, have you found that your... I guess the amount that you paint or the way that you paint has changed as your children have grown up. Oh, drastically, yeah. My my painting is sometimes it's all over the place because I have ADHD. Um, I I can't stick to one single style. But um, my older work was a little bit more simpler, a lot more naive than it is now. I can I can see that. Um, when I look at my older work, I think, oh, wow, that looks really simple. <laughs> and as I've gotten older, I don't think it's because the kids are older. I just think it's the amount of time that I've, I've had painting. That's the key is how much you paint. Like people say, oh, how do you, how do you develop? And it's really just practice, like anything, doing, doing what you love. It always comes back to that, doesn't it? Yeah, it definitely does. But my kids are both creative. Like um, my son just started painting faces as a way to make some money for college. And my other one is also good at drawing and, and painting. Well, that's lovely that you all have creative interests. And do you chat about art together or is it just something that you all get on with? I think um, we don't really talk about it. <laughs> um, I often say <laughs> they're sick of the paint everywhere. Like I'm always treading paint into the house and like mom you dropped paint again sorry um (laughs) that's funny (laughs) but they walk into the house and they see the paint everywhere so I think it definitely influences them Mm. um I like to ask them what they think do you like this one do you like this one they'll give me their input I do the same thing with my kids and every now and then they're like roll their eyes (laughs) Because I'll be like come in (laughs) come into the studio and have a look at this and they're like oh here we go yeah That's exactly what mine do too. They're like, what? I'm busy. Or I'll see something and I want to show it to them. I'm like, this is really cool. Sometimes they don't don't think it's quite as cool as I do. But anyway. But I do think that in the long run, they'll appreciate art because they've grown up with it. Yeah. You know, I... I think that they'll always have a passion for it. And seeing you follow your passion, there's no way that that can't be inspiring you know to see someone particularly listening to your story today and hearing how you moved out of illustration work and you found something that you truly loved like they've seen that whole journey which is amazing I'm very thankful for it (laughs) well I think we'll wrap it here today um, because I just had a look at the time and we've been chatting for over an hour now so we better wrap it up but I just wanted to thank you so much for coming on to the podcast 
sharing your story and your insights and hearing about your process. Um, It's been wonderful. Yeah, it was lovely. Well, that's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and that it encourages you to make the art that you want to make, to do it your way. Make sure you check out Leslie over on Instagram. You can find her at at Leslie Granger. And remember, it's Leslie with a Y. And I'll just spell that for you. It is L-E-S-L-E-Y-G-R-A-I-N-G-E-R. And you can tag Leslie in your Instagram stories so that she gets to see them. Have a lovely week, everyone, and I hope that you'll join us again next week.